You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Good morning, everyone. It's really good to uh, see everybody, see a lot of familiar faces. It's good to be here. Thank you, guys. We, um, That's good. Thank some you. of you are familiar with us. Thank We've you. sort of been a bit of an institution in, around here. We pastored in Clear Lake. This is, that's your side, honey. It is? Yeah. Oh. You know this. That's right. Sorry. I, I, got, a, I, was on a, I got up on the wrong side of the pulpit. <laughs> Anyway, we pastored over in Clear Lake at Agape for 35 wonderful years. Well, quite honestly, they weren't all that wonderful, but mostly wonderful. It's kind of like marriage. We've been married. We'll celebrate our 50th wedding anniversary next year. And we've had about, I don't know, 39 and a half great years. Yeah, that's why normally I go, what? (laughs) (laughs) Normally I say, uh, hi, my name's Dave. I'm a recovering pastor, but uh, that, I don't, that just gets old after a anyway, while. Anyway, we retired from pastoring in uh, the fall of 2020, and, but we still have opportunity to speak and um, do things in different parts of the country, and we're just, again, super grateful and honored to be here with all of you this morning. So uh, it's all about relationship. You know, life is all about relationship. Have you ever heard that before? That's all about relationship, but being a Christian is certainly all about relationship, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the three in one. And the Holy Spirit, I, I, I came in tune with what we, you were saying, Holy Spirit, come. Yes. We believe in the Holy Spirit. Yes. We know that the Holy Spirit was sent to be yes. a comforter and to lead us into all truth and to, be the, to, to lead us to the truth, the truth of Jesus Christ, the truth of the Word of God, the truth of salvation in Christ Jesus. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God is the comforter. He's the God of all comfort. Who wants to comfort us in every situation, right? Yep. So that we can be comforted yep. and we can comfort one another with the same comfort that we've been comforted with. There's a whole lot of comfort going on there. <laughs> the, the, the key is the key is we need comfort. Yeah. Say that to your neighbor. I, you, you need some comfort. You know, you might even want to pat them on the shoulder or something. I don't know. But the, 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 key is, the key is it's all about relationship. Jesus Christ came and paid the ultimate price to bring us into right relationship with the God of the universe that we could be able to call him Abba, Father, Daddy, God. We are the children of God. As Christians, then, we look to God. We look to him as uh, in relationship because of what Jesus Christ paid uh, to bring us into right relationship with the universe so that we can call him Abba Father. So it's all about relationship. It's that vertical, it's that vertical thing of the cross, you know, you just picture the cross is that love we're experiencing from him in right relationship with him through Jesus Christ, his son. And we begin to love him back, not for what he can do for us, because that's what we do when we're first saved. Lord, I want this, 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 this. And can you fix this, this, this? this. And he kind of does, which is really weird. And uh, But then eventually it gets down to the place where uh but we're, we're loving him not for what he can do for us, but for who he is. Yeah, because he is Abba. Yeah. He is Father. He is Daddy God. Jesus, And we realize that Jesus Christ paid the price to bring us into right relationship with the Father. 
And so, so, so Christianity is not just about getting our sins washed away. We're not making light of that because that's important, right? That's the action of grace and the action of the, what, the, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But it's also about him leading us to the Father, relationship yeah. with the Father. And then that yeah. horizontal portion of the cross then is us being able to love one another in relationship, right? In relationship, the horizontal portion of that cross, receiving his love and giving that love away. Mm-hmm. Now that works, except when we disagree. <laughs> and, and, and except for when somebody says something that we didn't like. Except for when, may I use this terminology? We get our undies in a bundle. <laughs> a burr in our saddle. This is going to get better because she's going to start talking. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but it is. It's all about relationship. And, you know, if we look at the word of God. We go back to the very beginning and go back to Genesis 1. And God, you know, he created all those wonderful things. He created this beautiful earth that we live in. He created every animal, every flower, every plant, everything that was needed, God created. And he created man, and then he looked at the situation, and he said, you know, everything I've created is wonderful, but it's not good for man to be alone. There needs to be another wonderful creation in order to create fellowship and relationship, because God knew that, like Dave said, we not only needed relationship and fellowship with him, we needed to have that with one another. That's, first that's, John. That's just so important. It is. First John I mean, chapter um, 1 says, in, in verse 7 says, as we are really living and walking in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have unbroken fellowship with one another. This is a really important thing. Right there. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. It also says in John 13, 35, Jesus said, the world will know who I am. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He said, the world's going to know who I am, but not, not because of all the miracles I've done, but because of the way you treat each other. Right. The love that you demonstrate toward one another. Right. So really, God created us in his image right to have relationship with him and then be an extension of that relationship with him to one another. It's a super important thing and it's how the world will know Jesus. Right, right. Wow, I, we got some work to do <laughs> because we have relationship issues, don't we? I mean, this world is full of pain and relationship issues like Dave was talking about, comfort. And imagine what our relationships would look like. Imagine what our lives would look like, our marriages, our families, our places of work and business, our school relationships, every relationship we have in life, our churches. Imagine what those relationships would look like. Imagine what the culture of Christianity would look like if we were able to respond in situations. We all have situations relational situations, if we were able to respond in those situations out of a place of comfort, like Dave was talking about, the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and healing, instead of, everybody say instead of, because this is what many of us are guilty of, myself included, instead of reacting out of pain. Right, right. Wow. What would our homes look like? What would the world see if we responded out of a place of comfort and healing instead of reacting out of our pain. So we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. 
I, I just think it's interesting in, as you read it when you get home, the first couple books of Genesis, and it's just an amazing story because as you look at this, it's just the, the, God the Father created the, the earth, created the, the, the man, created the animals, um, and, and, and then there's this period of time where this unbroken fellowship between God and Adam, God and man, this relationship is there. There's no. There's nothing breaking it. There's nothing uh, impeding it. And and yet he says, God says, it's not good for man to be alone. So here you have Adam living uh, in this creation, naming the animals, you know, in the garden, and 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 they have unbroken fellowship with God. And he, God, still says it's not good for man to be alone. In other words, that relationship with God has to have that overflow uh, with, with this horizontal relationship or, or with humanity because we, we can't keep what we, we can't keep that love all by ourselves. Yeah, I know I've met Christians all the time say, well, I, you know, it's just me and God, it's just me and God, my, me and God. I, I hate people, but it's just me and God, you know? Well, it sounds good, you know, it sounds okay, but it's not true. We need each other. We, we need to be in that picture of that cross, right smack dab in the middle of the picture of the cross, receiving his love. So we need to learn what's hindering us from experiencing the love of the Father, to learn how to receive the love of the Father, and be able to learn how to give that love away. That is the picture of being a Christian. And you know, when we're not receiving love, when there's something restricting us from experiencing that love, when we're not receiving that love in the way that God created us to receive that love, we start to build walls around ourselves to try to keep the pain out. Because how many of you know there's pain attached to this life in this fallen world? There's pain attached. If you've been alive longer than a month, you've experienced pain. There's pain attached to us. So what we do tend to do because we don't we don't know how to experience that love that God has for us. God is love. Everything about him is love. Everything he has for us is love. Everything he thinks about us is love. If there's something hindering us from experiencing that love, we build walls to protect ourselves from pain. But those same walls that we built to keep pain out, and they can be somewhat successful, sometimes maybe a little bit in keeping pain out, but those same walls keep love out. And when we're not experiencing God's love the way he created us to experience it, we take on the, the, the yeah. identity right. of a survivor. Right. right. And what will a survivor do to survive? Uh, yeah, exactly. Anything, right? Anything they have to. And, and, and we justify that mm -hmm. because we're just surviving. So the mentality of a survivor is, you know, I will steal from you. I know stealing is wrong, but I'm going to steal from you because I'm just surviving. I'll be angry with you because I'm just surviving. On and on the list goes. I will, I will become defensive. Right. I will have all these different mechanisms to try to protect myself because I'm trying to survive. Love breaks down those walls when we allow God's love to come in, when we allow him to love us the way he wants to. And there's a whole lot to that thought process. But, but just for today, God is love. And he loves us. And his greatest desire for his children is to take on the identity of being a dearly loved, dearly loved, protected, nurtured child of God, experiencing his love, experiencing his comfort, 
and then giving that away to the people in our lives. Wow. So how do we get that done? Wow. How do we begin to enter into that process? And it is a process. Yeah. How do we do that? Well, first of all, there's four, there's four needs that are just basic to all humanity, right? And uh, the, first, the first need that's basic to all humanity is, is unconditional love, right? Unconditional love. And then the second need of all humanity is a sense of peace, a sense of security, a safe place, right? A safe place. The, the, the third one is a, a value. And then the, the, the fourth one is a sense of purpose and destiny. You think about that. You think about Adam and Eve in the garden. That's what they had, right? Unbroken fellowship with God the Father. Uh, they were walking in fellowship with him, unbroken. And they were receiving unconditional love, a safe place, a sense of value, and a sense of purpose, right? They were going, uh, God says, keep the garden. You know, do some gardening. It'll do you good. You know, so uh, they had that with God before sin came into this world. So really, if we look at this, and I think we probably are probably on a level playing field here that all this is true. I mean, this is, this is basic Christianity. God is love. We are supposed to love God, right? We sang about it this morning. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. I love it when we sing the message. And then what? Love. What, what, the, that scripture. Love, love God with all your heart, mind, strength, Jesus said. And the second is like it. Love others. Look at your, the person sitting beside you or... Look down, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but love love God. your neighbor yes. as yourself. So we love God. We love others. Again, that's the basic. That's the that's that's Christianity in its in a nutshell. Love God. Love others. So if life is all about relationship, all about this life of loving God, of mm -hmm. loving others, of being an extension of His love, how can we do this better? How can we? Do what are some of the keys? Better, yeah. How can we do relationships better? And you know, here's now this kind of a. I don't like this word personally, okay? I'm just going to come right out there with it. I would just soon not ever have to even think about this word. This what? word is the, the word that we're going to talk about here in just a minute. What's what? at the root of the relationship problems? I don't like that word. What do you think? You like that word? <gasps> I don't know. It seems kind of creepy to me. It's definitely some Old Testament stuff. Yeah, okay. But the root of relationship problems in, it, there's some, in, in its simplicity is idolatry. What? Now, none of us, I, do you like that word? I don't no. like that word. Does anybody, I mean, does anybody know what that word really means? You know what? It it's, brings, a, it's a real Old Testament word, okay? It kind of brings back the movie, the Ten Commandments, you know? Yeah. And they're just, you know, they have that golden calf. Yeah. And, you know, they're... And then, you know, we don't have golden calves, we're not guilty of idol worship, are we? Hmm. I mean, idolatry is like when you put something else ahead of God, right? Yeah. One of the Ten Commandments, you shall have no other gods before me. That's basically God is defining what idolatry is, right? It's simply putting something else in our life ahead of God. Someone. Yeah. Or something. Ooh. Ooh. Or, or how about this? Attempting to use anything. Hmm or any one to, fill, to meet a need that only God can meet. Whoa. Now here. Money, now, money, now, money, now money, money. Kinda, 
Now it kind of brings it a little bit closer to home because idolatry is kind of an archaic word that we don't use very right. often. But if we think about its actual definition, we can think, okay, now I can kind of see where you're getting at with that. Yeah. Because anytime we use anything or anyone to get a need met that only God can meet, That is what idolatry is. And so here's, here's, here's how God planned this. In the garden before man fell, okay, this was the way God created this to be. He created man and woman. He told them to have kids. He said, multiply the earth. You have a family. Keep, keep, keep bringing people into the world to experience my love and give that love away. That was God's plan. And in a perfect world, a mom and a dad, they have a child, they have understanding and knowledge and experience with God's love, and they just want to pour that into their children. So they fill a child with all these basic needs, that, that love, that security, that value, that purpose, but constantly directing that child toward a loving father who would continue to pour those things into that child's life. That's the cycle that God intended. Right. Right. was for families to pour this into their children and the children to replicate that generation to generation to generation. But that's not what happened because mankind fell and, and, and relationship was broken and Jesus came to restore that relationship and he came to show us who the father was, like Dave said, and take us to the father so the father could then fill all those needs in our life. But what happens is we don't know how to get those needs met, and we're desperate to have those needs met. Every one of us was born to have every single one of those needs met, and when those things aren't being met, we become desperate. We have to have those needs met, and we'll do it any way we have to. Right, we right, become that survivor right. that we were talking about. Right. So how many of you are married? So I want to ask Some you Some of question. you are looking at each how other are, like you're asking, who, yeah, are How many married? are newlyweds? You've been married in the last, within the last week. Okay, good. We can exclude you guys. Um, <laughs> uh, the question is, how, how many of you marriage has made you happy? How many times, how many times in your marriage have you been unhappy? Oh, <laughs> just... just you don't have to raise your hand because that could be a problem. Uh, well, I, you know, here's the deal. If you said marriage has always made you happy and you've been married more than a week, I, I don't believe you anyway. So it's okay to be honest here. I mean, it's this is basically, a, I, you know, out of the 50 years, like I said, we probably had 39 and a half pretty good ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, this is basically kind of a kiss up kind of a situation. <laughs> Everybody's looking around going, well, I got to raise my hand because I'm happy. Yeah. But, but, you know, happiness is fleeting, isn't it? Yeah, this is why the joy of the Lord is our strength. Joy is, is, not, com, is not dependent upon circumstances. Happiness is dependent upon circumstances. So we're happy as long as we're happy. And here's what happens. We get married. We got married. We got married. Almost 50 years ago. I was the ripe old age of 16. That's right. And he was the was ripe 12. old age of 19. Oh, 19. Excuse me. I, was, I thought it was... You sort of robbed the cradle just a little bit. I did. But he was 19. I was 16. And we both came from extraordinarily dysfunctional homes. His father, Dave's dad, committed suicide when Dave was just a little boy. 
my parents went through a terrible divorce and, and we lived with a lot of abuse and alcoholism and, and constant threats of suicide and attempt of suicide by my mom. We, j we both came from real, real dysfunctional situations. And we got married thinking that, as most of us did, that we were going to get married and we were going to make each other happy, right? Yeah. Right? We were going to make each other feel loved and secure. And we didn't say it like this because we didn't know these things. But, you know, we, this, is what, this was the mentality. And valued and purposeful. And, and we were just going to make each other so happy. And how many would like, you know, you just you say, well, you know, that's my job. I'm supposed to make my spouse happy or that's my job. I'm supposed to make my wife happy or that's my, my job. Kid, have you ever tried to make your kids happy? How many of you have kids? Dear God, I have been trying for 48 years to make right. my kids happy, right. and I, you right. know, maybe, I mean, huh? maybe I've hit the mark it, five times. Try to make, yeah. So the problem is, is, is that it's not that people won't meet your needs; they can't meet your needs. Whoa. It's not that the things in this world, things, the things, you can add a lot of things to your life, and you have a some of happiness, but it doesn't bring you the kind of joy, the kind of peace, the kind of healing, the kind of love, the kind of contentment that only comes through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. It just doesn't, it just, it can't happen. People want to maybe, I would like to meet your needs, but I realize I cannot. And if I'm desperate to get my needs met, and this, you can, this is in a marriage relationship or any relationship that we are in, if we're desperate to get our needs met and we're demanding that someone else or something else try to meet those needs, we are going to get so frustrated right. and we're going to get so angry and right. we're going and, and to offend people. We're going to offend people and we're going to manipulate or do anything we have to do to try to control the circumstances around us to get our needs right. met. Right. Right. And so it's kind of like this. It's kind of like if I walked up to him and said, okay, now this isn't going to hurt. This is just going to pinch a little bit. Anybody ever been to the doctor and they said this is just going to be a little bit uncomfortable? I, you know you're me, heading for excruciating pain. Right. I just want you to know right. that. Yeah. And so, and so that, you know, if I walked up to him and said, this is just going to pinch a little, and I plug my IV line, my intravenous line, my life source line into his arm, and ah. I start sucking the life out of him. Because I am desperate to have my need met, so I'm going to do anything I have to do. So I'm going to stick my mm. IV in your arm, and I'm going to suck the life out of you so that I can have my needs met. Yeah. <laughs> it's and then I'm going <laughs> to. So whatever we, whatever, whoever, or whatever we stick our IV system in yeah. to try to get our needs met that only God can meet, yeah. that's idolatry and look at look at the replacement things uh, on on that we replace god's unconditional love god's sense of peace safety security we, we replace unconditional love with what passions right that you know passion it's that it's that rush emotional love that holly loves to pump into our brains Oh, passion. And then, uh, instead of safe and, uh, safety, a sense of safety and security, possessions. If I just had this, I'd be happy. If I just had more of this, I'd feel 
security. Some of the richest people I know are some of the most insecure people I know because money doesn't bring you a sense of safety, a sense of peace, a sense of security. Instead of value, we have position. If I could just have a position, if I could just be the vice president or the president or the a board member or an usher or a, you know, usherette or a, yes. You speak from experience. I'm a divorcee. A divorcee. Or as simple as being a spouse, a position, yeah. Or, and then pr replace purpose, power, right? So we, we, we become a Christian, but if we're still trying to stick our IV system into any one or anything other than Father God, who Jesus paid the price to bring us to so that we could be his children. And now our relationship as a Christian is to be his child. And this is really elementary, but it needs to be talked about. And so that we can experience his love and then be filled with that love and begin to give that love. Stop trying to stick our IV system into somebody or something other than Father God because he's the only one See, we have to come to that conclusion, don't we? That's the first step. The first step in the process is saying, yes, I believe. This is, this is where I need to be. This is where I need to go. This is, Lord, I give you permission to begin to help me see what's hindering me from experiencing the love that Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price to bring to me through his death, burial, and resurrection. And when we're desperately trying to get those needs met, like Dave said, from someone else, man, how many of you ever experienced that? Someone is just trying to get something from you that you can't give. Right. And it's, it's, it's frustrating on both parts, and it leaves us just feeling exhausted. Right. And it leaves us feeling like, you know, this relationship stuff is for the birds. I don't even want to do this because it's just exhausting. I mean, I cannot do what is demanded of me, what is expected of me in this relationship. And again, it could be a marriage relationship. It could be any family relationship. It could be a work relationship, a friendship relationship. All relationships are subject to this kind of thing. And so, and so it's no wonder we're exhausted. It's no wonder we're desperately trying to, like Dave said, get more things I have a song in order that. to make ourselves feel secure. You got a song about it? Fill my cup, Lord. It's really cracked, Lord. <laughs> That's an old chorus we used to sing back in the <clears throat> 70s. <laughs> you just dated yourself. <laughs> Except the cracked part. That was a part of the song. No, that was a part of the song. Yeah. I'll be here all week if you need another song. <laughs> anyway, so what is the secret? I mean, what's the yeah. answer here? Yeah, I mean, because here we have the problem, and yeah. we see it. Hopefully, we see that problem. Everybody see it? We see yeah. We see that problem. Whatever we stick our IV system into whoever or whatever, you know, is, it, it, it's replacing what only God can do for us. There's a scripture in Ephesians 3. And it's in, uh, I love that it's Ephesians 3, and it's Paul praying for the church. And there's a scripture here that says, may Christ through your faith, I love this, it's verse 17 of Ephesians 3, may Christ through your faith actually dwell, settle down, 
abide and make his permanent home in your hearts. And this is the part, well, it's all good, but listen to this part. May you be rooted deeply in love and founded securely in love. And here's, you know, you think, wow, rooted deeply in love and founded securely in love. That's God's plan for his children. That's God's plan for us. But listen to this. Whatever I reach for when I need a need met, when I feel hurt, when I feel unloved, when I feel insecure, when I feel fearful, when I feel angry, when I feel devalued, when I feel anxious, when I feel without purpose, whatever I reach for is what I'm rooted in. Ephesians got, Paul prayed that we'd be rooted and grounded in love. And when we're rooted in love, we reach for love. Whatever I reach for is what I'm rooted in, and whatever I'm rooted in is eventually going to rule me. Am I rooted in fear? Am I rooted in false comfort mechanisms? When I'm feeling pain, when I'm feeling unloved, when I'm feeling devalued, when I'm feeling insecure, when I'm feeling anxious, do I go to the refrigerator? I mean, you know, a lot of us, we're like, well, you know, we don't, I mean, those comfort mechanisms, those unhealthy comfort mechanisms that we all know about, you know, we all know about the, the big ones. But there are lots of ways, lots of things we reach for when our needs aren't being met. And whatever I reach for, when I'm rooted in, whatever I'm rooted in is eventually going to rule me. So what is the answer? The answer is, Dave said it earlier in first, uh, Second Corinthians chapter 1, it says, God is the God of all comfort. You prayed this morning, Holy Spirit, come. Right. Holy Spirit. Jesus said to the disciples, I'm not going to leave you. I am going to leave you, but I'm not really going to leave you because I'm going to send the comforter. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit who is going to comfort you, who will be here with you always, who will never leave you. So Jesus, Father God, Jesus, the Son, through the Holy Spirit, is with us always. And Jesus said, I'm going to send you the comforter. And uh, Paul reemphasized it in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 when he said he is the God of all comfort. Everybody say all comfort. And he goes on to say who comforts us in every situation. Everybody say every situation. So that we can be comforted and then we can extend that comfort to others. That's the cycle that God planned. We receive, we're hurt. We live in this fallen world. We get hurt. That's a given. We experience God's comfort. We reach for him. We experience his love and comfort. We give that love and comfort away to others. And that is the cycle that breaks these relationship issues. Because if I'm not looking for you to meet my needs, because, and you can't, so then we're both frustrated and angry and upset. If I'm looking for him to meet my needs, I'm, not dis I'm never disappointed. God is the God of all comfort all comfort. And when we can minister to one another out of the overflow of love, 
that changes everything. Loving him and then allowing his love to flow through us to others. So, what, so what's some, some of these answers? Some of, what, number one, we need to admit need. It's okay yeah. to have need. That's why Jesus came to die for us. Because yes. we need salvation. Yes. Salvation, healing, wholeness, preservation. Safety. We need it. Safety. Safety. We need those things. So, and God is our source. And, uh, and number two, then, we need to repent of our idolatry. So, so uh, like I've said this many times before, so if I've said it, you know, that's fine. I'm a preacher. I repeat myself often. Um, you know, we get, begin to ask the Lord, you know, ask, uh, we ask the Lord. We begin to ask trusted brothers and sisters, where did it, when our button's pushed, when we have this reaction, when we start seeing things, where we're reaching to, where our IV system's plugged into to uh, passions, possessions, position, power, into someone or something other than Father God to meet our needs, we begin to start seeing that. We begin to say, Lord, where is that coming from? Why did I do that? What am I afraid of? And then what are we going to do about it? So it's important that we begin to take steps in the process of experiencing the Father's love. It's not, a, it's not a something that we're doing. You know, it's like, uh, well, I'm going to really work hard to do this myself. You can't do it. You can't do it yourself. We, we all need the Lord. That's the point, right? And when, we trust, when we're taking steps to trust him more, guess what happens? Holy Spirit comes. It's a beautiful thing. Submission. We can't receive unconditional love unless we're submitted to that unconditional love and we don't ever submit to the to that unconditional love unless we're we we know the character of the one who's bringing that to us that's our problem we see god through these lenses that are very blurry at times and we need to with that re re repentance we need to release others from the responsibility to meet these needs that they can't meet oh my gosh I mean, wow, what a, what a relief to be released from that responsibility. I mean, to try to take on that responsibility in the first place, it's impossible and it just brings frustration, but to be released from that responsibility of trying to meet needs that only God can meet. Does that mean we can't love each other and be kind to one another and, and still value and purpose? No, that doesn't mean that, but that the deepest level, I cannot right. meet your right. need. right. And to be released from that responsibility produces such a healthy relationship. And, you know, we can ask God for an early warning system to alert us. You know, we can, we can, we, in, in relationships where we really have, you know, where we really have a lot of trust, you can just say, you know, you can build a relationship with a person where you say, you know, we're, we're kind of moving into that situation right now where I'm feeling a lot of pressure to meet needs for your life that I can't meet. I mean, that would be a great conversation to be able to have right. without defensiveness and anger and, and, and then to go, oh, yeah, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry. Let's pray about this. And then pray with one another. You know, when Paul talked about he was the God of all comfort, you know, in practical application, the God of all comfort feels sometimes a little bit obscure, doesn't it? Seems a little, well, God's 
you know, God, and here I am dealing with a really painful situation that I need comfort in. What does that comfort look like? How do I receive that comfort? How, how does God bring me that comfort? And the scripture tells us when Paul talked about the comfort of God, he talked about the comfort of scripture. I mean, the beauty of the comfort of scripture. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't have to memorize a lot of scripture, but I mean, even just like Psalm 91, where he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalm 23. I mean, there are just so many beautiful scriptures that bring so much comfort. And then the comfort of the brothers and sisters in Christ. I mean, if I can walk up to you, Pam, and say, you know, I don't expect you to fix this for me. I know you can't. I'm struggling. I'm really going through a rough time right now. And I know I don't expect you to fix it, but would you pray with me? And we'll ask God together. Would you do that? Wow. I just released her from any responsibility. Right. But gave her the privilege of agreeing with me in prayer and being part of God's solution to the situation. Instead of us just being each other's problem, turning into each other's problem. We didn't start to be each other's problem, but we could turn into each other's problem if we tried, if we if we build that unhealthy expectation. So, I mean, there, God has practical ways of us experiencing his comfort. One of those ways is through song. Mm-hmm. I mean, so many times we sing scripture. We sing the word of God. We sing God's heart for us. And, um, you know, we're just about done here, but I just want to share real quickly. Um, about a year and a half ago, our, our then 19-year-old granddaughter was diagnosed with a real aggressive form of leukemia. Um, she was a, a sophomore at Iowa State that graduated from Clear Lake. Our whole, our kids and grandkids all live in Clear Lake. And, you know, she was my first granddaughter and, you know, my girl. I mean, just, uh, we all lived in Clear Lake her whole life. You know, we were just, we saw each other and spent time together on a daily basis. And and my girl, you know, my baby was um, diagnosed with, with a real, real aggressive form of leukemia and had a really poor prognosis. And, um, and so, you know, that hurts. Mm-hmm. And that brought so much fear to me and so much sadness to me. And to watch somebody go through what she needed to go through in order to, I mean, she went through round after round of chemotherapy and she went through a stem cell transplant and she survived and she's now 20 and a half, and she's cancer-free, and even the mutation, yeah. The genetic mutation that was so dangerous that was gonna cause the cancer to return, because her brother was her stem cell donor, and because he's my superhero, and um, her superhero, and his stem cells completely took over her stem cells, and even the genetic mutation that was so dangerous, it's gone. So, so that's the story now, okay? But let me tell you, the year that went by that she was experiencing all that treatment and all that pain, and I was so afraid, and I needed comfort. And I needed people to pray with me, and I needed, I needed God. I, but I could, nights I would lay awake. But this is, what, this is what God brought to my heart in the night 
when I'd be there all by myself and I felt so lonely and I felt so afraid and I felt so helpless and I felt so powerless and I felt so out of control and all those things that we all hate. And God would bring this song to me. And maybe some of you know it. It goes like this. It's, I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hand. From the moment that I wake up till I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. And all my life you have been faithful. That's a wonderful reminder. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. And this is my favorite. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire in darkest night. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I have lived in the goodness of God. If you know the chorus, sing. And all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. There's such peace, you know, and such comfort and such a sense of rest. And that's what God wants to put in our lives. You know, that's what he has for every one of us. We've all got a story. We're all going through some rough spots. And sometimes things don't turn out the way we hoped they would. But you know what? He loves us. And he knows our pain. And he knows what we need. And he knows how to provide. And so if, if we just make it our life's mission just to learn to experience his love, how to receive and rest in his love, it's going to change everything. Take steps. Take a step. We just talked about some of these things that, that could take place for us to take some steps. Take a step. That's what the church is all about. That's what the body is all about. That's what the community, the family, the spiritual family is all about, taking steps in the process. We're all in the process. We all need to take steps in the right direction. And the value of that is the joy of God, the joy of God that's unspeakable and full of glory. Thank you for letting us share with you today. God bless you. Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.